Oh God, we ask that you would speak, for we are listening. God, we pray that you would teach us by your word, for we are open and we are receptive for what you have to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who was the person that taught you how to pray? You know, for me growing up, it was a woman by the name of Kathy Fisher. Kathy Fisher was one of the teachers at the school that I attended, and she was the one who uh, led this prayer group that I participated in. And whenever Kathy prayed, I remember thinking to myself, man, I want to pray like that. Like she prayed in such a way that had this spiritual depth and vitality, like she knew God. And I remember, even as a young believer, thinking, man, I don't pray that way. Like the way that I pray, I I pray for different things than what Kathy is praying about. I remember praying about, you know, my health and success in basketball and, you know, praying for specific girls to, to like me in return. But Kathy didn't pray for those kinds of things. She had a type of spiritual depth because she knew God and God knew her. I remember learning a lesson very early on in my walk with the Lord that what you pray for reveals what you long for. What you pray for reveals what you love. It reveals who you are. It, it reveals even how well you know God. And I think that's true. I love hearing uh, my daughters pray. Uh, a few months ago, we were watching TV and there was a, a commercial about a Disney cruise that came on the television. They got really, really excited. Well, later that night, as we were doing family devotions, one of my daughters was like, Daddy, can I please pray? I really want to pray. Let me be the first one to pray. And she, she was really excited about it. I'm thinking, oh man, this could be the moment. You know, She might be receiving Jesus right now, like God's working in her life. And she closes her eyes real tightly and folds her hands you know, so neatly. And she prays so passionately. She says, God, please give our family enough money so we can go on a Disney cruise. <laughs> I remember laughing in that moment because it revealed that truth that what you pray for reveals what you long for. And the challenge is, is that for, for many of us, the reason why we don't pray for the right things is because we don't long for the right things. The challenge in, in praying and even looking at Paul's prayer here in Colossians 1 is that perhaps for many of us, we didn't have a Kathy Fisher. We didn't have someone teaching us how to pray. That prayer in the Christian life is is more often caught than taught, unfortunately. And that presents a couple of different challenges. And, And maybe this resonates with you. A challenge number one is we don't often know exactly what to say when we pray. We know maybe the the Christianese language and we kind of throw some phrases together. But oftentimes it feels like we're like robots, kind of saying the same thing every single day. And I wonder if you could look at the transcripts of your prayers over the last few weeks and the few months, I wonder if that would be true. But another challenge I think that we have in our own prayer life is that deep down, and we have to be really honest when we, when we say this, is that deep down, sometimes we wonder if prayer does anything at all. Like we wonder, is, is prayer going to change my circumstances? Is prayer going to change me? Is it going to change what God is doing in my life? We, we know we should pray, but does it do anything at all? And, and those two challenges resonate with me even as a pastor. I fall into those things all of the time. It almost feels like praying is like flossing. And I apologize if you're a dentist here this morning, if you're tuning in, but I read this recent study about flossing that 30% of us 
actually lie to our dentists about how often we floss. And in this same study, it revealed these three popular reasons why people don't floss. Number one, it's because of the time it takes. Number two, it's because of that uncomfortable experience of revealing things in your mouth that don't belong. And number three, there's really no immediate payoff to flossing, right? Unlike maybe mouthwash or brushing your teeth, you get that immediate fresh breath. And I thought about that, and I was like, wow, like, that's probably a lot of the reasons why many of us don't pray. It's because of the time. It's because that experience reveals things in our life that don't belong, like sin. And then thirdly, we're unconvinced that there's an immediate payoff when we pray. Like, this is why I believe Colossians 1, this prayer right here by the Apostle Paul is so helpful. Because Paul not only helps us understand kind of those two challenges of knowing what to say, what to pray for, but also Paul's going to help us understand what happens when we pray. What are the results of, uh, uh, of the things in our lives when we pray? So looking at this prayer, just two things that I'm going to point out. I'm going to point out the central request in this prayer. And then secondly, we're going to look at the purpose of this prayer request. What happens when we pray it in our own lives. Okay, here's the first one, the central request. Now, when you look at this prayer, even when I just read it a few minutes ago, uh, when when you read it kind of uh, quickly there, it almost feels like there are five or six different things that Paul is is asking the Lord for. But when you look at it um, in depth, it actually reveals that there's one central prayer request, but it's so vast and it's so sweeping that everything else in this passage flows from it. And it's found in verse 9, that Paul essentially is praying that the Colossian believers may know God so intimately that it produces a life that pleases God. Verse 9, Paul prays, he says, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's the crux of it. Like That's what Paul wants for the Colossian believers. Now, let's break this down a little bit because we've got some words in here that that causes problems sometimes in in our own thinking, like like the word will. When we think about God's will, uh, for example, sometimes we only think about God's will in terms of the future. Like when we pray to know God's will, sometimes what we mean by that is, God, help me to know what decision I need to make in the future. God, help me to know what college to go to. Help me to know what person to marry or what house to buy or what job to take, right? All of these things in the future. And and God's will certainly involves the future, but I think Paul is using this in a different way. See, throughout the Bible, there are a couple of different uh, ways that the Bible talks about God's will. Uh, For example, the Bible talks about God's will of decree, meaning whatever happens is part of God's will. Nothing happens outside of God's will. It is God's unalterable, redemptive, historical plan from the beginning of time. Ephesians 1 verse 5 is an example of that, where Paul says, He, God, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. It's something that will happen. But another way that the Bible talks about God's will, and the way that I think Paul is using it here in this verse, is talking about God's moral will. In fact, the word will here in verse 9 in the original language can be translated as desire. 
And so Paul's use of God's will here is in terms of what God wants for believers, what God desires for them now in the present. So 1 Thessalonians 4.3 is an example of this usage where it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. All right, that's something that God wants. That's something that he desires for all believers. Does that always happen? No, but it's something that he desires for us. And I think that's the way that Paul is using it here in this passage. Paul is essentially asking God to fill the Colossian believers with such an intimate knowledge of God that they would know and understand what God wants for their lives. But here's the catch. In order for that to occur, the Colossian believers must know not just things about God, but they must know God personally and intimately for themselves. That they must know not just facts about God, not just head knowledge about God, not just a theological paradigm about God, but they must know and, and be in a vital relationship with the Lord. I truly believe when you know somebody, you know their desires, like you know what they want. For example, when my wife and I, when we go to Starbucks, I know exactly what she's going to order. She's going to order a tall, non-fat, extra hot vanilla latte almost every time. Like, and I know that because I'm in a personal, uh, intimate relationship with Lindsay, and I've studied her, I've watched her, I've been with her for years. It's not because I read some book about her. It's not because there was a manual on Lindsay Beals and, and all the things that she orders at, at Starbucks and different restaurants. No, no, no. It's because I'm in this relationship with her, and I have this intimate knowledge about her. This is what Paul wants for the Colossians with God. He wants them to know God so deeply, so personally, so intimately, that it actually informs how they live. I want to ask you this morning, if, if you are praying prayers that are so God-centered, like this one, that it's actually changing how you live. Like, are you praying this prayer to know God so intimately and so personally? Look, I know that sounds basic, but if you pray this prayer, it will change your life. Verses 10 through 14, Paul will unpack this for us, that when you pray this prayer, when you know God intimately, it's going to lead you to living a certain way. Is this, look, is this how you view prayer even as a whole? Like sometimes we can almost view prayer as, as the thing that we do that's on our spiritual to-do list every day. I don't really want to pray. I'm kind of motivated by guilt because I know I, I should pray and you know, God sent his only son to die for me, so I'm just going to go ahead and pray, all right? Other times, we, we can view prayer as the magical lamp that we're trying to rub to get what we want from God. If I use the, the special words, the magical words, God's going to answer my prayers. But I don't think that's how Paul is, is talking about prayer here. See, Paul is, is modeling for us to viewing prayer as the means by which our intimacy with God actually grows. And Paul prays that they may know God so intimately because really nothing else matters. I love this quote by J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God. He says, what were we made for to know God? What aim should we have in life to know God? What is the eternal life that Jesus gives to know God? 
What is the best thing in life? It's to know God. What in humans gives God most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. And then he says this. He says, but there is a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Absolutely. And I would argue that it's prayer and it's unhurried, lingering prayer, if you know what I mean by that, that moves us from knowing about God to actually knowing God intimately and being in his presence. And Paul, I think, presses this idea further when he uses the word filled in verse 9. Look at it with me. Uses this word filled, and this word suggests filling to the top or filling to the brim. So so catch this. Paul doesn't want the Colossian believers to be filled with a little bit of God's knowledge. No, he wants their entire lives, their hearts and their minds to be filled with an intimate knowledge of God. Question for you this morning. When you think about the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, what have you been filling your heart and your mind up to the brim with lately? I wonder, have you been filling it with this intimate knowledge of God? Or could it be that you've been filling your heart and your mind with worry lately? Maybe you've been worried about your job or about your health or maybe a relational concern. I wonder if you've been filling your heart and your mind with stress, maybe stress over, over work or stress related to a, a concern with one of your kids. Have you been filling your heart and your mind up with the clutter that we see on, on the news and on social media? Or have you been filling your heart and your mind with a deep personal knowledge of God? Well, Paul, I think, is praying this because the Colossian believers were battling that Colossian heresy that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. The, this heresy that really hasn't gone away, but it's this heresy that declares Jesus is fine, Jesus is good, but we need to add on top of Jesus other things in order for you to be mature, in order for you to be a good Christian, and in order for you to be satisfied. For the Colossian believers here, they were being confronted with adding rule following, adding mystical experiences. And like maybe for us, we don't um, exactly struggle with the specifics of the Colossian heresy. Oh, but we do struggle with the root issue of the Colossian heresy, don't we? We struggle with looking at Jesus and saying, is Jesus really enough for me? Or do I need to add on to Jesus in order to be satisfied, in order to be a good Christian? Do I need to add other voices into my life? Look, I know personally for me, that, that's been probably the biggest struggle for me over the last couple of weeks, over the last couple of months. I feel absolutely bombarded with thousands of other voices that are trying to crowd out the person and the work of Jesus for my life. And that's really the issue because some of those things that we struggle with related to worry, related to stress, related to different relational concerns, those are, those are natural things. Those are things that we should be thinking about, we should be wrestling with. But the issue comes is when we're trying to fill our minds and our hearts with the knowledge of God, and yet there's no room for Him. He feels crowded out because all of these other issues have taken such a prominent place And we don't know where to go. And so I I want you to know that this prayer challenged me. It convicted me. This prayer kind of reminded me, yeah, going back to the basics of being filled 
with the knowledge of God is exactly where I need to start in order to sift through what it means to living out the gospel. I was so convicted. I felt the Spirit of God asking me this week, Chris, are you spending more time on social media and the news than time in prayer with me? It's like, man, I need to get back to filling my life up to the brim with a knowledge of God. And so the challenge here is making sure that you're praying this for your own life. But secondly, I'd ask you this morning, are you praying this prayer for the people in your life? Maybe the people you're sitting next to, not just praying for their safety, not just praying for their health, not just praying for their success, but are you praying that they may be filled up to the brim with a deep knowledge of God? That friend that you have that's going through a time of suffering or a trial, are you praying for them, not just that the suffering would end, but are you praying that they would be filled with a deep knowledge of God? Are you praying for your kids, not just that they would be well-behaved, not just that they would have friends, not just that they would have good grades, but are you praying that they would know God deep within their soul? Like, are you praying for your spouse, not just that God would remove that most annoying idiosyncrasy, but are you praying that they would know God personally? And I love in verse 9, Paul talks about this type of knowledge. It's actually marked by spiritual wisdom and understanding, meaning that this knowledge, it's from God, and it's taking this knowledge about God, and it's correctly applying it to the right situation at the right time, something we need to pray about in order to experience. And so this is the central request. It is to know God intimately and personally, but Paul doesn't stop there. He also shows us what happens when this becomes a reality in our lives, that there are these results that come out, the purpose here. And in fact, it's so amazing that it takes Paul five verses to, uh, to, to correctly characterize the results of this prayer request. But look at verse 10 with me. Verse 10, I think, is a, is a very helpful summary of what happens when we know God personally. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Look, that's what happens when we know God. We are able to live in a way that pleases God, meaning you can't fully please God apart from praying this kind of prayer in your life. Like pleasing God is so important, especially for Paul, that he uses four participles or four descriptors in order to explain what a life that pleases God actually looks like. Let me run through each of these. If you look at verse 10 with me, there are actually two different participles, two different descriptors, but they're so intimately connected in the original language that we really should understand this as one idea, and it is a life of continuous fruit-bearing. Paul talks about this idea of bearing fruit and also increasing in the knowledge of God. What Paul is saying here is there is a direct relationship between your knowledge of God and your ability to bear more and more fruit. I think practically the way that this looks in our lives is when you come to know God personally, and the more that you know him, the more that you're going to understand what God wants for you, how he wants you to live. And the more that you do what he says and do what he wants in your life, the more fruit that you're going to bear in your life. And when you understand that that fruit that's being produced in your life is actually from the Spirit of God within you, 
you're understanding and learning more and more about God, which then in turn results in more fruit bearing. In other words, bearing fruit helps us learn about God, which presses us deeper and deeper into who he is. Like this is really the the continuous cycle of growth in the Christian life, right? The more that we know about God, the more fruit we are going to bear in our lives. The problem is, is that from time to time, we go through seasons and we go through moments in which, uh, in which we kind of get stuck. We, we kind of go through these times in which we kind of plateau spiritually, if you will. And whether that's because we, we grow content in how much knowledge we have about God, thus we stop pursuing the things of the Lord, and as a result, we don't bear as much fruit, or we see kind of a lack of fruit in our lives, and so we no longer pursue the things of God in our lives, leading us not to increase in knowledge of God. And you have to wonder if, if this is where the Colossian church found themselves, and, and maybe this is why Paul is even praying this way for this church. And, and I wonder this morning if this resonates with you at all. I wonder if, if maybe you find yourself spiritually stuck right now in this season. I mean, it's been a long season of, of dealing with, with COVID-19 and other issues in our country, and I just wonder if you're going through a season right now where you have stopped pursuing the things of the Lord and increasing in knowledge of God, and as a result, not bearing as much fruit. Look, I just want to encourage you to do one thing in order to kind of jumpstart that cycle of growth, and that is to memorize this prayer and to pray it every single day. Take this prayer, personalize it, use the, the, the words of God here, and to pray it over your life. I guarantee God is going to use that to jumpstart you into that continuous cycle of growth. So those are the first two descriptors, but Paul continues here. Number three, Another descriptor of what a life that pleases God is a life of joy-filled endurance in verse 11. Remember, this is, again, the result of knowing God intimately. Paul says we get to experience a type of endurance. Now, verse 11, I think, is really, really helpful because Paul explains the power or the means by which we can, we can actually please the Lord and live a life that is worthy in other words, pleasing God, bearing fruit, living worthy is not something that we can do on our own power. But Paul says in verse 11 that God actually strengthens us according to his glorious might. And so when we pray this kind of prayer here, what God does is God gives us exactly what we need in order to live with endurance, with joy and patience. God strengthens us and God empowers us. And sometimes I think we think about God strengthening us as if it's this uh, mystical experience or, or, or kind of this abstract reality, like God's going to strengthen us and we're going to become like the spiritual Hulk or something. He's going to fill us with power. And, and we don't quite understand what that looks like practically. But I think what, what it looks like for God to strengthen us according to his might is God giving us exactly what we need. So if we lack wisdom, God gives us wisdom. If we lack comfort, God gives us comfort. If we lack perseverance, God gives us perseverance. It's because 2 Peter 1.3 says that God has given us 
everything we need to live a godly life according to his divine power. So look, if, if you're united in Jesus, if you're a Christian, there, there is no spiritual resource that you lack. All you have to do is ask for it, and God meets you exactly in your need and exactly in your weakness, and he empowers and he strengthens you. Look, maybe to practically apply this, I wonder if, if maybe you have a friend or, or a family member who's going through a hard time right now, and you're trying to think through, how can I pray for them well? Let me encourage you to, to apply verse 11 here and to intercede with them using these words that Paul provides and ask God that God would strengthen them according to his glorious might so they're able to endure with patience and with joy. So that's the third descriptor. Well, the last one, the fourth one here in verses 12 through 14 is a life of thankfulness, a life of thankfulness. I think one of the most important ways that prayer changes us is it allows us to become a more thankful people. When we pray this prayer to know God more intimately, we are going to become more in tune and more aware of how God has lavished his grace upon us which will result in us becoming a people of gratitude. And look, when you are expressing gratitude to God, you will notice that you will become a more joyful person, more content. You will become more steadfast because you're training your heart to see the goodness of God all around you. I think being thankful actually, I think, brings out our spiritual taste buds in our souls in order to experience and taste the goodness of God. And it takes discipline in order to recognize and identify, not, not continue to ask things for God, but to recognize what he's already done and to express that kind of gratitude before the Lord. But did you notice what Paul grounded his thanksgiving in? Paul grounds his gratitude in the gospel. Did you see it there? Paul says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his son, that God has redeemed us and he's forgiven us all because of Jesus. See, Paul is, is causing the eyes of our hearts to look at what God and only God has done in and through the gospel. And the reason why he's doing this is because he's trying to show us no matter what you're going through in life, no matter how hard the trial is, you can always give thanks to God because the gospel is true. No matter how hard life gets, you can look at Jesus, you can look at the cross of Calvary, and you can give him praise. Look, our thanksgiving and our gratitude, it's never grounded in our circumstances. It's never grounded in what God has given us. It's always first grounded in the gospel, and it builds from there. So Paul is, is calling us here in this prayer, He's saying, look, come back to the gospel. Come back to what Jesus has done. Come back to the most glorious gift, the most life-changing reality that Jesus died in your place. It will cause you to be a more thankful person. And the result of that is that you'll live a life pleasing to the Lord. You'll live a life that's bearing fruit as you live out a life of gratitude. Well, as I close this morning, couldn't help but just ask the Lord this week that, that God would, would fill our church with an intimate knowledge of him. And it got me thinking, just for a moment, I just wonder, 
what would happen to your life, what would happen to our church if you regularly prayed a prayer like this every single day? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how different you and I would be, how different our church would be? Imagine what this would do to your friendships, what this would do to your marriage, to your parenting, to your own relationship with the Lord if you prayed this prayer every day. Oh, we, we truly believe that this prayer is an answer to prayer for some of us in order to jumpstart maybe the most intense season of growth that God wants for you. And it's sitting right here. This prayer answers, what do I say? And does prayer do anything? Look, we believe this prayer is so important. We've actually provided a resource for you. It's a five-day prayer challenge taking one verse a day this week, starting tomorrow, in order to personalize it and to pray it over your life. And our hope and our prayer is that that creates a habit of new praying with you and the Lord. So with that, let me pray and we'll close our service together. God, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we thank you for the direction that we find in Colossians 1. Lord, so helpful to see Paul's prayer. And God, we pray this over our church. We pray this over our lives that we would know you, not just know things about you, not just quickly read over verses and think that we know you personally, but God, would you help us to pursue intimacy with you? Would you help us to, to, to put in the time, to put in the discipline in order to walk with you, God? So Lord, would you use this prayer, use this prayer even this week to change us and to cause us to bear more fruit to please you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.